Welcome to In the Middle of It. I'm Amy Kelly, and I am passionate about supporting you on the front lines with your middle schoolers. As a former middle school teacher myself and a parent to two teens of my own, I get the roller coaster season that you're in. That crazy making, joy inspiring, incredibly fun, and sometimes frustrating ride of loving the teens in your life. Each week, I'm going to be sharing actionable stories and strategies to encourage and equip you on your journey. If you're a parent or a teacher who's looking to forge a connection that lets your teens know they are seen, heard, and loved, and if you are ready to show up as the grown up they need, you are in absolutely the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there, friend. I am so glad that you are with me today. This episode is the beginning of season five of the podcast, and I am so excited to kick it off with an amazing friend of mine, Erica Wright. We're going to be talking about how to fight fairly within our families and why it is especially important to model that for our teens. Now, Erica is a relationship coach and a connected communication specialist who empowers individuals, couples, and families to cultivate deep emotional connection, trust, and love using the power of connected communication. Her vision is to empower and inspire people to have connected conversations that leave them feeling seen, heard, validated, understood, respected, and deeply loved. She believes that incredible relationships don't just happen, they're created, and it's just a matter of learning the practices and tools needed to create the kind of love and connection you desire and deserve. Erica is an expert in identifying the root of relational and communication issues by examining subconscious habits and patterns. Her work focuses on rewriting subconscious habits, patterns, and blocks so that we are free to create an adventurous life full of peace, love, and freedom. It is my honor and my privilege to introduce you to Erica Wright because we have so many amazing things to talk about and share with you guys today. So I'm just going to jump right into the conversation. I am so excited to introduce Erica Wright as our guest today. She and I met through a program that we're both doing, and I have just really resonated with the things that she's putting out there on Instagram. And we had the opportunity to talk a couple of weeks ago, and I just realized that I I wanted to share her with you guys. Erica, thank you for being on the podcast today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Oh yeah. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for reaching out and finding me. My name is Erica Wright. I am a relationship coach and communication specialist. I really dive into the nitty gritty of how you can communicate in a way that leaves you and your partner both feeling seen and heard and really connected and getting your needs met in an effective way. Of course, relationship coaching, I do focus primarily on romantic partnership, but I will say that the mother-daughter relationship is also very near and dear to my heart. And it's a space that I have a lot of experience in. The family dynamic is just so beautiful, so important, examining all those relationships. And that I think is what drew me to you because even though your stuff is romantic relationship focused, Mm -hmm. The things and the mindset that you're coming from really resonated because it is absolutely things that can be applied to our parent-teen relationships, our teacher-teen relationships as well. So uh, that's why I was so excited to be able to talk to you. And we decided today to talk about 
the importance of repair, which this is so, like you said, near and dear to my heart, because I yeah. really do feel like we can survive anything. We're all going to mess up, but we can survive anything if we know how to come back together. Well, absolutely Talk to me a little bit about that, because I know in our initial meeting, we were talking about how truly with our teens, one of the best gifts we can give them is to have a healthy relationship with our partners because we're really modeling and showing them what it looks like to live in relationships. So talk yeah. to me a little bit about that. Absolutely. I get so excited about it because I do in just working with people and exploring what's going on and different thoughts that parents have, particularly moms. I work with a lot of moms and I hear this, that I focus so much on my kids. I give it all to my kids and I just don't have time to focus on my marriage right now. Like that's just on the back burner. I got to make sure that I'm supporting my kids and giving them everything they need and giving them my time. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> You're giving them everything except for beautiful, healthy, connected, conscious model of relationship. Hold up. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I know it seems really hard sometimes because I think with teens, sometimes it yeah. feels like we're constantly putting out fires. Sure. But I think it is a gift to show them that healthy relational model. Yeah, absolutely. Because kids, especially they're kind of like sponges and they really do soak up and model what they see. That's a very common dynamic that goes on. What I see and what I've seen for myself too, is modeling either exactly how you're talking about repairing and fighting. You'll model how you see your parents fight or the complete opposite, but either way it's by default in relation to how you as a parent are showing up and modeling relationship, connection, repair, fighting, all of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Which is a huge deal. When you think about, I can remember my first year of marriage and really learning to argue well was a huge task. It took us years actually yeah. that first year of marriage. I think that was the aha moment of, oh my gosh, the way that you handle conflict and the way that I handle conflict are the polar opposite. Yeah. And so yeah. trying to like figure out what does it look like to come from a healthy place? What does it look like for us to align in this so that we can move past whatever it is that we're debating? Yeah, or... absolutely. I mean, I am all about the fair fighting because the fighting and the arguing isn't the problem. It's how we do it. And then how we come back and repair afterwards. Yes, <laughs> yes for, um, sure. for sure. Honestly, the nature of relationship, and this is research-based, is I call it this 30-30-30 cycle. And it's basically being connected 30% of the time, breaking that connection 30% of the time, and then repairing 30% of the time. And that is just normal. That is the cycle of relationship and there's nothing wrong with it. So another thing that I speak to in my work is the fighting, the arguing, the disagreements, it's okay. And it can be done in a healthy conscious way. Love um, that. And I love the normalizing of that 30, 30, 30. Yeah, that is yeah. fantastic because totally. I think sometimes we do have unrealistic expectations that it's all just going to be all great hundred percent of the time. And if it's not, then there's something horribly wrong with us or we're not right. doing things right, or we're not destined to be together forever or all of those things. Yeah. And, and then from a teen's perspective, if they're expecting everything to look yes. like they're through rosy colored glasses all the time, that can really really set everyone up for a yeah. really hard time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A huge piece of what I'm about is also making sure that <laughs> people know that they're not alone and being disconnected and repairing takes up 
60% of the relationship time, theoretically, there's only 30% where you're like, everything's fine and dandy and connected and beautiful. It's being with these uncomfortable times and being able to be with that array, that range, that rainbow of emotion that comes with these uncomfortable times as well. I love that. I love yeah. that. And I think we talked too a little bit about story because that's something mm-hmm. that I'm really focusing on. Again, I've said it a million times, stories save lives. And I think in this context, it may be a little bit of a re- but I do feel like, and I've seen this happen with my kids. Sometimes when I can tell stories about past times, when I've had to reconcile with someone or come back together, that's been really helpful peppered in with the actual modeling. Cause we know kids look at what we do more than what we say. Mm -hmm. I think those stories give us street cred, maybe a little bit too. You know, for me with my kids, both of them have had really hard friendship or romantic partner losses Mm -hmm. over the past year. Mm -hmm. And because I went through something similar recently, a little bit before they did, they were more willing to listen to my stories about it because they knew my experience and they knew because I shared the story as I was going along. And so I think that's part of the modeling. When you're working with your clients, Mm -hmm. what kind of stories and things do you share with them if you do? Or I know I'm throwing you... A curveball there with that. But I know we've talked a little bit about some stories that Mm -hmm. you have and that you share. So I'd love to hear those. Yeah, absolutely. The one that is coming to mind most is it's like, yes, inside my personal family dynamic. And it has to do with fighting and repair and people being affected. Growing up, my mom and I would just go at it. And I might be familiar. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I had all the opinions and she thought I was just supposed to do what she says because that's what she was modeled growing up. Kids just do what you say. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what I did. I had a different set of opinions. We would just go at it and that would create a really uncomfortable environment for the family as a whole. But my dad and brother being more soft-spoken humans would be witness to my mom and I just about to rip our heads off, right? And we both are big, loud personalities and my dad and brother more so the freeze or flight type of personality. What would happen is my mom and I would fight. It'd be this whole crazy thing. And then sometimes an hour later, we would be over it or we would come back and have repaired and said our sorry and just hugged. And next thing you know, we're making cookies in the kitchen. But my dad and brother were left over there still in their trauma response, still in all their stress hormones, the adrenaline, all of that still charged in their body, feeling so unsafe, overwhelmed, worried, deeply concerned for family dynamics, especially my dad. And my mom and I would just be fine. And then they would be left in the dust of the argument and all the the big emotions that come with that. Geez, when you're in it and me as a teen growing up, I didn't see that. But looking back, I can see it now and see the importance of, wow, my mom and I, hindsight's 2020, but really taking responsibility, not just for our relationship, but taking responsibility for how our fight impacted both my dad and brother and taking responsibility to bring them back into the repair so that they could also feel safe and <laughs> trauma responses restored and, and right. all of kind that. Of- Close the stress loop with it. Close the stress loop. Definitely. In this story, it's like, okay, you could see it wasn't parents fighting, but it was kid parent fighting affecting both a child and an adult getting left in the dust of that. 
we just didn't have the tools when we were growing up, but we do now. What that looks like is either repairing in front of my dad or brother, if he's there, our fights are much fewer and far between, but we still have big emotions that really affect others that are in the space, repairing in front of them. They can tune in. So mirror neurons, another one of my favorite things, being able to see my mom and I smiling, hugging. Okay. My dad can then his mirror neurons will be firing and he can also experience that calm, that peace, that reconnection. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there just because I know my question number one was explain what a mirror Ooh. neuron is yeah. just really quickly, just in case, because that's something I just recently became familiar with. So oh yeah, absolutely. That. Okay. So we have these little neurons in our brains, so many of them, but mirror neurons in particular live in that sensory part of our brain and they fire and light up when you either watch somebody doing something or you hear maybe a story about somebody doing something. An example of this is say you're watching an action movie and somebody gets punched in the face, you cringe as the observer, right? Your mirror neurons are seeing this and responding and you're actually having a visceral bodily reaction to something that's not even happening to you. So I would say mirror neurons have a lot to do with empathy and compassion too. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. They are research has found it. They're like the core ingredient for our ability to empathize with others on a kid level. You will notice your children. (laughs) An example of their mirror neurons firing is like, if you're making faces at a baby or you clap and then they actually mirror you pulling that back into repair. If you can model healthy repair in front of your kids, then they will be able to start picking up and literally mirroring your actions, your energy, your words. Which is encouraging, but also terrifying at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. as you were talking about the disagreements with your mom, and I was thinking about it in terms of, okay, your dad and your brother were feeling all of those really stressful responses in their bodies. Yeah. But your dad's an adult. Yeah. If we're fighting in front of our kids, which I do think is healthy, as long as you're showing the repair process, but our kids are feeling all of those stress responses in their bodies as well, which is why why it's so important to make repairs in front of them. And I think I didn't, for me personally, the story I'll share with this is my husband and I are opposites in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. one of them has been our temperaments where I would call myself more fiery. He's definitely more grounded. I have trouble apologizing. I've gotten a lot better at it as I've grown and matured and learned new things and all that. I know the importance of it. Not that it comes easily to anyone, but it seems to come more easily to my husband. So he was the one who initially started when we would have arguments in front of the kids, he would make sure that we apologize to one another in front of them as well, which Mm -hmm. was just mind blowing for me because wow, to have two adults in front of kids doing that. I just was so impressed. And yeah, once again, grateful that I married him in particular. So let's talk about that a little bit, how we, if it's the two adults in the family who are going at it or fighting Mm -hmm. or arguing, which again is normal. Let me talk Mm -hmm. about that 30, 30, 30 thing. What are some ways that we can help our kids close that stress loop? Do you think it starts with the way that you argue the way that you fight? Okay. And that is really important because it is healthy to disagree and quote unquote fight 
in front of your children because they get to see that. But you can fight in a way that fair fighting that will help them in the moment feel okay and safe and regulated. And I actually wrote down just a few questions that you can use to gauge, are we arguing this way? And just to see the difference between what I call fair fighting and unfair fighting. Some of these questions are, does the tone stay respectful even when you disagree? I love that. Because your energy and your tone, your body language is 70% of the communication. If not more. (laughs) Yeah, if not more. Yes, for (laughs) sure. I have a program called Connected Communication, and Mm -hmm. it explores the three elements of communication, which are energy, actions, and words. And so much of it is about who we're being and our energy and what we're bringing to the table. Which I'm just going to jump in here. I'm going to have links to that program in my show notes if anybody's interested in that. Awesome. Thank you. Looking at how to fight and it's for you and your partner, but yes, also to keep your kids regulated in that moment, just looking at your voices stay at a calm level, like no screaming and yelling at each other. Do you both find a way to express your wants and needs without tacking each other? Again, that calm energy, even when emotions are strong, you can still speak in a calm way, even if you're triggered on the inside and then tone, is it warm? Is it supportive? just in your household, not just inside of the argument or the fight, but just in general exploring what's the tone in our household? How are we speaking to each other? Because if your child is already a little on edge because the tone in the household isn't great, and then there's a fight, it'll just throw them right into overwhelm, stress hormones, anxiety, all of that. Is your child seeing just daily examples of emotional generosity coming from both you and your partner and acknowledgement? And I like to use this five to one ratio that actually was uncovered by the Gottman Institute, but looking at five positive interactions to every one negative interaction, that's what it takes to be at neutral because our brain is so focused on the negative, so focused on what's wrong in the moment. How do I fight? And then coming back to the question, okay, after if there was a blow up, how do we come back around to help the kids regulate? It is really just sharing your experience and sharing, okay, hey, here's what happened. And, you know, I was feeling this way and bringing them in on that repair. And even if you don't do it in front of them, if you make sure to come back around and let them know you're not a problem here, because that's the other thing that happens when stress and tension gets high in a home is kids are like, oh, it's me. I'm the problem here. Something to do with me. And so really reassuring them to let them know, oh, it has nothing to do with you. Even if you were arguing over something to do with them, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Right. And really, I love these pieces of advice too. And the fighting fear part, I think what I'm interpreting, what you're saying is you're not making anything personal in the negative way, right? Name calling or throwing around the you always or you never or just making snide comments or you're focusing on what the issue is in the moment and you're trying to solve that together Mm -hmm. or at least see and hear your partner's point of view and be seen and heard like that. Yeah. I even do something with some of my clients called the fair fighting contract. And it's something that you actually co-create with your partner where it's like, okay, we are going to agree and, you know, no name calling, no screaming and yelling, whatever that might be for you. You'd examine okay, what further exasperates the trigger and the emotion, what makes me feel unsafe. And we're going to agree that that's just not going to be part of how we speak to each other. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. And I know this is a total tangent grabbing that and thinking siblings, holy cow. Oh like my how gosh. Powerful would that be to yes. have your kids sit down together yeah. and walk them through this process? Absolutely. Wow. And even bringing your kids in on you and your partner's fair fighting contract and it might break your heart, but can you imagine if you sat down with them and said, Hey, when mommy and daddy are fighting. What's that like for you? And what makes you feel unsafe or worried? And they will tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm just thinking how vulnerable a parent to ooh, be able to sit down ooh. and do that. For sure. And usually it's the raised voice, heaven forbid, if there's something thrown or whatever it may be. Oh yeah. Anything physical. The raised voice is so scary for the little nervous system over there. That's just observing and confused and like still trying to figure out the world, especially with little kids. And I'm thinking with teens, even one of the things that has struck me as we've been talking is this is the age they start dating and yes. we're modeling what yeah. a healthy relationship looks like. And so we want to be super careful to be yeah. doing these things. And the other thing I love about this is that if we're not practicing these things right now, learning about them, and even if you only hit it 10% of the time, yes. well, then yeah. that's 10% of the time that your kids are seeing it done well. Because I think that's the other thing with this. I can get caught up in, oh my gosh, like I did that wrong and I shouldn't have oh, done yeah. that way. But really leaning into it and saying, okay, this is not the checklist as much as it is the ideal that we're moving towards. Absolutely. Yeah. Just being committed to it rather than attached to it. Oh, I like yeah. That. We have to give ourselves grace. This is not stuff we learn in school. Some of the things we're talking about here, if you've never even heard some of these terms, you are so not alone. I've spent decades studying this stuff. <laughs> so I do sometimes forget how much I know, and this isn't common stuff. So baby steps, no. yeah. baby steps. Absolutely. Steps. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Erica. I love that you have been able to share this with us and talk about the repair thing. I'm going to have you back again, and you're yeah. going to talk about a process for doing repair, which I'm super excited with. I'm going to have my pen and paper ready to take oh, notes because yes. this is, I know, especially with our teens, I think it can be easy to feel like, well, I'm the grown up, like what you were saying, your mom felt like, mm, I, yes. even though we have tools mm -hmm. to tell us differently and to show up differently, I do think it's my knee jerk reaction to be like, well, I'm the grown up. I'm right because yes. I'm the grown up being because I said so. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't go over yeah. very well. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's not connecting at all. It's the opposite no, of connecting. No, it's yeah. A guaranteed surefire way to disconnect. So really being in your calm state of mind, not in fight, flight, or freeze, and being able to communicate and apologize well for our kids. So I'm super interested to hear what you're going to bring to us with the whole repair process. Thank you yeah. so much for being Absolutely. with us. Absolutely. We will talk to you next time. Absolutely. Thanks, Amy. Thanks again, Erica. And wow. I don't know about you, but I took pages of notes as we talked. So many practical, actionable ideas. Now, if you're listening to this as you are walking or driving, or if you didn't get everything down that you wanted to, I have got you covered. Just check out my show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP150 to hit all the high points if you missed anything. 
Okay, friend, like we mentioned, Erica is going to be back in our next episode to talk about a process that you can use for making repairs, not only with your teens, but with anyone in your life. You do not want to miss this because it is pure gold, literally a step-by-step strategy for getting reconnected. And in the meantime, if you want to get connected with Erica on all the socials, make sure you check out those links again on my show notes page. All right, friends, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Y'all know how I feel about you. It is such an honor and a privilege to be in your ears. And from an ish girl who is trying to stay warm after the snowmageddon we had here in Texas. And yeah, I know all you guys up north are laughing your booties off. I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together. (laughs) 